You're listening to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. So listen up now. Welcome to episode 7 of Warriors in the Dust. It's getting closer as we record this, just three weeks to go until we get racing in the Fink Desert Race. A two-day, 460-kilometre dash from near Alice Springs in Central Australia to the Aboriginal community of Apatula, also known as Fink, and then back again. One of the top chances in the cars category is Josh Howells. He was runner-up to Jack Rhodes in 2019. Rhodes isn't racing this year. So how will Howells go? We catch up with him, along with his older sister Ali, who was also driving a buggy in this year's race. Like many teams, they're a family operation with great support from Dad Glenn, but maybe some others have taken a bit more convincing. Yeah, we do enjoy the Fint race, mostly out of probably all the races a year after um, after our first year there in 2018. We've always always liked that and it's been a bit of a, a goal for us. And yeah, it's... Um, yeah, yeah, so, um, unfortunately... Yeah. Just tick it off and unfortunately someone had to tell mum that we're going back again. <laughs> That's this episode on Warriors in the Dust. The off-road racing world, in Australia at least, is largely made up of teams that are based around families or friends, and our two special guests this week are siblings who will not only be racing other competitors for Fink Honours, but also each other. They are Josh and Alexandra Howells from New South Wales. Josh and Ali, thanks for making the time to speak with us on Warriors in the Dust. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Murray. Thanks, Murray. Good, mate. All right. Now... Let's get the pecking order out in the open right from the start. Um, Ellie, you're the eldest, is that right? Yeah, I am, just. (laughs) (laughs) By how much? By about a year and a half. (laughs) Okay. All right. So first of all, let's just put a little scenario to you both and see what answer you come up with. You've both made it to Fink in the first leg of the race. You've both had multiple punctures. And you're both tied for first on equal times. Who gets the one tire that's left over? Um, that decision comes down to dad, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Take it out of your hands. Um, I can imagine Josh at this stage, um, especially leading, um, heading into Fink um, with the points he has from our previous round that we did a few weeks ago at St. George. Josh had a very successful finish, so... Heading towards Fink, hopefully. Hopefully he doesn't need that spare tyre as much as I do, but, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it a bit more seriously. Um, You mentioned there Josh won the first round of the Australian Off-Road Championship. Josh, and you finished second in 2019. Of course, 2020 was cancelled because of uh, COVID. So you seem to be on the rise. Is that how it feels at the moment? Yeah, not too sure. Like, I, I guess we're getting more comfortable in these cars we've started racing in and they always take a few years to get tuned and to to suit your sort of driving styles and um, even just to know the cars and what they can do. But, yeah, 
definitely feel more confident each year and, you know, you still have the bad luck here or there. So I think just uh, St George's luck was on our side and, uh, yeah, we um, put it together and got a good result. Ellie, how did you go in that round? Unfortunately, I had a, an engine issue. So I, I wasn't able to, I DNF'd on the Sunday, was it the Sunday morning? Yeah, yeah Sunday I DNF'd morning. on the Sunday morning um, and missed out on the last two heats. Everything was going well until, yeah, obviously we had an engine issue. I suppose in a way it was good, especially heading in towards Fink um, to find these issues. And you're both driving Jimco buggies, is that right? Correct, yeah. Now, it intrigues me a little bit, and I've asked this question uh, to Mark Burrows when we had him on in Episode 3, and uh, how do you you make the choice between, say, a buggy or a trophy truck? Um, What's the process behind your decision-making in what to race? Look, we probably didn't really have a decision, but we we, we started racing in what Dad started racing in, and and that's a uh, buggy. And um, I think we like the buggies anyway. I don't think we've ever erred towards the um, the big trucks. The local races around Sydney that we do are quite tight and small anyway. And if they um, if we were to race them, that's a lot more suited to a buggy, which we still try and get to some of the New South Wales like rounds like Warrialda and Nubadale and all the like. So. In a race like Fink, do you see an advantage for one or the other? Yeah, I'd, see, I haven't driven a buggy before, sorry, a truck before, but um, from what I've heard, you know, you can sort of steer them and get off and on the throttle, on the whoops, and a lot more comfortable is the feedback I've got. And whereas a buggy, it feels the way I feel, and it's like you're on the edge and you can't let go. So it's sort of like foot to the floor and hope for the best. Uh, um, and it's, yeah, very hard to steer and very hard to break. But, yeah, look, we seem to uh, get the result uh, in terms of buggies uh, on top at the end of the race meeting, pretty sure most years in a row now. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll happily stick to the buggies as the results keep up. There's not too many women racing in the Fink. There's a, a few on the bikes. Is there others in the buggies or the cars that you know of? To be totally honest, I actually haven't had a look at the entry list but at the end of the day, there's never enough. <laughs> yeah, you can only yeah hope for more and push for more, especially 100% get more women in the sport. Yeah. Did you have to fight to, to race or was dad, uh, he just thought that was fine, go ahead? Or has have you ever had any opposition anywhere, not just from family? Uh, n- no, not at all. Um, there's never been any hesitation with dad whatsoever, you know, if, Josh could do it, I can do it, and vice versa. There's, it's always been like that. She won't tell you. She's a senior. She was a senior state champion on a on a motorbike. She pre before buggies. We used to um, race bikes, but um, yeah, Ali was um, very competitive on the bike. Um, and growing up, Dad wanted us in the roll cage and some somewhat safer in a buggy. And um, yeah, Ali was turning up to more race meetings than I was in the in the bike days. And um, it's no different in the cars. She's been to actually more races probably than I have in transition from car to car. But yeah, look, Ali's always been there racing and she loves it. I think it's brilliant. And and you're right, there should be more of it. And I, I, I hesitated to ask the question because I think it should be a natural thing. If, uh, if a girl wants to do it, why not? Um, there shouldn't even really be a question. So I think it's fantastic. And you mentioned your dad there and it seems like uh, from what I can gather reading between the lines, there's a, an enormous amount of support from your dad. Oh, 100%. Without, like, there is no house motorsport 
in brackets. Um, there is no house motorsport without dad. That's it. He's the backbone. He's the driving force, and it's 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 his full time hobby slash career slash retirement entertainment. <laughs> um, yeah, without him, we wouldn't be doing any of this. That's for sure. He's the mechanic, the engineer, the you know you name it. He organizes it and facil- facilitates the whole operation. And I mentioned in the intro that this kind of sport seems to be based around families uh, mostly, and uh, it's a huge expense to to race one buggy, let alone two. So it's a pretty fair commitment by you all, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. And do you get some uh, help elsewhere from sponsors and that kind of thing, or is it just out of your own pockets? No, pretty much out of our own pockets. It's um, We're actually racing cars a lot bigger than we ever anticipated. We were dad finished up in his class three um, before he had Ali, and that's what we started racing in. So it was a thirteen hundred Suzuki Swift motor, and uh, we ended up hotting it up a bit and doing what you can to the gearbox to make it finish the race. And we used to look at the pro cars and go, "God, they throw some money out down the drain racing them things." And um, yeah, look, here we are. Look where you end up. So um, yeah, look, I, I, I um. I know, I know Dad throws a lot of money at it, but um, at the same time, we are, we, we're on a budget. We don't get given any sorts of monies or anything from anyone, but where he shops around and finds his bits and pieces, and I tell you, there's, um, there's a shed full of spare parts, but, um, um, and, and everything gets reused a couple of times before we bin it. But, um, yeah, look, we're still on a budget, a, a, a pretty tight budget, and, yeah, it's, it, which is good, you know, and, uh, like I think pro pro light class, which is Ali's class without the turbos on the motor is one of the best, best classes out there. It's just competitive. It's running a naturally aspirated V6 motor and it's making the teams work hard to get them, get them cars at the front of the pack. So to be honest, it, it's, um, I never wanted to go to pro. I was more keen on uh, my, my Southern crosses, get a Jimco with a pro buggy, uh, pro, sorry, pro light motor. So just a naturally aspirated and um, keep the costs down. But, it's definitely it's expensive and uh, but rewarding. I want to get to you and your hopes in the pro lights in a second, Ali. But first of all, like in some aspects of motorsport, it is about money. You know, Formula One, and that if you haven't got the money, then you can't compete. In this class, in this level, is it is it not just about the money? Can you uh, make up a competitive edge elsewhere? Yeah, definitely. I guess you've seen some past races, the people that um, you can tell they've thrown a lot at the race meeting and especially Fink, I say, um, would be one of the main races people have thrown a lot of money into to try and get to that finish line first and it hasn't worked for them. At the end of the day, you've got to have a mechanic and, and a team of mechanics. It's not just one. It's, um, you know, as Ali said, our, our, our father's not even a mechanic, but he's um, he's got some good contacts and um, I don't know, I guess we're quite... He's quite a likable guy as well, so um, we stick around with the people that, you know, seem to know what they're doing and put together a car that will get there and back. And, um, yeah, look, it's um, it might be a bank account race, uh, maybe straight down to Fink, but to get that car all turned around at, down at there at, uh, at, at Fink um, in, with limited resources to come, then come all the way back, you sort of um, you need to know what you're doing months ahead of that. And Ali, in the pro lights, how, what do you think your chances are? What are your hopes there? Oh, look, I think everyone's hopes when you, you know, you talk about Fink is there and back would be fantastic. <laughs> to see that finish line on Monday morning would be, would, be, would be the goal. And from there, 
you know, I finished, I think, uh, 14th outright 2019. Any progression from there would be fantastic. Has that, is that your only entry, 2019? Uh, no, so 2018 yeah. uh, we competed and I, my finish was 28th. Or... I can't quite remember. Yeah, 28th, I think. Yeah, previous to that. Yeah, well, that sounds pretty outstanding to me and a good progression. Uh, and you also, Josh, in 2018, you were sixth. In 2019, second. Of course, no race 2020. So where can you go after second? It's only first, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Across everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've set the bar pretty high for ourselves just finishing the race the first time we went out there in 2018. And, um, yeah, the 2019 was just yeah, it was sort of unbelievable. Um, but yeah, look, I think we'll still, we'll still, we're pretty mellow. We're pretty happy and we'll be happy if we just get to that finish line and complete the event again on, uh, this year. In the, the cars, the uh, navigator is always mentioned. What sort of part do they play? How important are they on, on a track like Fink? Yeah, pretty important. Like, uh, not knowledge at Fink is a, a huge thing. Everyone talks about their pre-running and things like that, which we, unfortunately, in Sydney don't really get an opportunity to do. Um, and being both running our own businesses, we don't we don't fly up there and um, ride bikes or any registered cars up and down the track throughout the year. We get there and normally it's a higher car that cops the, cops the beating and gets one run down and one run back. And it's just after travelling sort of, what is it, 3,000 Ks out to Fink or... Alice. Um, so we're pretty over traveling and then we've got to go drive the truck um the track at 30 kilometers an hour. It's um yeah, it's not much knowledge goes in to be honest. So you sort of race almost blind. So it's uh I think Fink especially it's a it's a real good job for um the navigator. It keeps them really busy and um I have that's for me myself anyway, I have uh, Eric Hume um yelling at me and sort of keeping me awake because, um, yeah, it's very easy to sort of phase off in, in such a long stint, really. And, yeah, we're just looking what's coming up and he, I always have him trying to see further ahead than what, I, what I'm looking at. So, yeah, I think they play a huge role, and especially at uh, a race like Fink where our track knowledge is not great. Ellie, do you have a navigator? Forgive my ignorance because sometimes there's the occasional yeah, single-seater, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do. Yeah, and... Who's your navigator and what sort of instructions are they giving you for those people who don't know? So for Fink this year, I've got um, Gordon Tardrew, a good family friend of ours. And as for me, my requirements for a navigator is, is sort of being, lack of a better description, sort of thing, a second brain. So calling the track, looking up a little bit further for me and just, you know, calling the corners and talking and and just reading out loud what's coming up and you know what gear I should be in and not necessarily giving me direction but giving me the opportunity to just take a moment and just follow direction and then all of a sudden you know I can kick in and and all right I got it I can do this for a bit and he can have a break does that make sense so are they saying um left hand corner third gear coming up or they won't be be saying left because she doesn't know left and right so (laughs) One of my downfalls. <laughs> I'll just be, I think Ali likes a lot of egging on and, and um, sort of support to keep her focused because, yeah, she knows what she's doing out behind the wheel. But, um, yeah, from what I've heard anyway. How about that Fink track compared to other races in the off-road championship? Uh, is there anything like it or is it unique? No, I, I personally think it's very unique. I think the size of whoops that we've seen in 2018 where we both had a car that wasn't very set up. Um, I, I said to myself about 
400 times going down and probably about 500 times coming back. It was just, I'm not coming here again, no way, <laughs> you know. So, um, but once you finish, it all goes, it all goes away and you, <laughs> you, you end up there yeah. the next year. But the following year, we had a lot better set up cars and it was a lot more comfortable of a race. But still to this day, you, you say about the track, it's just, it's unbelievable whoops and what them cars can do over it is just unbelievable. And it's still to this day, it's just there's no other match track like it to um and it's quite amazing that the cars can through the sand whoops like that can sit on top. Um, but yeah, there's not there's, there's little sections of the track they try and replicate the fink whoops and um yeah, they still haven't gotten close because it's one of a kind. I think what also makes it very unique um is the logistics of it all. Like you know, in the back of your mind, you know, God forbid, touch wood, if something does go wrong, you know, um you're in the middle of nowhere. It's not like you're doing a big, like eventually you do a big loop, but, you know, you're secluded. There's, you know, hopefully you, if something does go wrong, you're near someone or you're near recovery or a spectator, but that also plays on the back of your mind as you're heading down the track. How rough is the ride? I mean, I would recommend anybody go on YouTube and, and see some of the vision of, of uh, buggies or trophy trucks sort of front on coming at you at some remarkable speed. It's just, amazing but how rough is the ride i mean some motorbike riders love to sort of describe it as a bit of an armchair ride to think i'm sure it's not quite like that how would you describe it yeah it's probably not as bad as it looks i think the suspension um obviously watching the wheels and suspension work it makes it look a lot a lot worse than what it is but it's not it's not it's not easy going all that way i mean you get to the end and your neck's super stiff because you're holding that helmet up and all the rest but um yeah it's yeah it's not a great wide but like Ali said it's um you don't want to be stuck out there because yeah at the end of the day we 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 like just to get there and back and um we, that's the way we sort of drive isn't it just to just sort of make sure we make it to that finish line because yeah you don't want to be stuck out in there nowhere. i think the key to the whoops is that you've got to remember to breathe <laughs> yeah quite not often really. you get to an end of a end to end of a long straight and you go <gasps> <laughs> get the air in you hold your breath the entire time you mentioned earlier driving uh the hire car down the track to sort of get a sort of scan the the track and uh i've, I've driven uh a short section of the track in a four-wheel drive and that must be a long journey <laughs> going over mm-hmm. those whoops in just a standard four-wheel drive do you do the whole course yeah, usually we do. I think actually 2018 we got halfway and went, bugger this, we're going back. Um, <laughs> so because of the time cap as well, we were yeah. we got to midday and thought we better we had oh, to yes. turn around. Yeah, because yeah, we're going so slow. So we took off earlier in 2019, um, had two cars this time. So we'll both Ali and her navigator were in a front seat and so were um, Eric and myself. And, yeah, we got we done the whole whole track that year going into this year i've heard it's a lot smoother from the water and rain they've had so things will be interesting um again we're just doing the higher car thing so yeah you'll see us out there in the thrifty mobile so <laughs> well local reports are that it's drying out so um i don't know how smooth it'll be <laughs> after after <laughs> the first day at least rig's tips now is a good time to pause in the program and speak to Rick Hall, two-time Fink Desert Race winner. There's not much he doesn't know about the big race. And Rick, what's your tip for this week? 
Oh, Murray, that's an interesting one. I was recently asked to to explain how to ride dust, and I don't think there's any explanation really. Um, it's just common sense. You just have to be patient. Um, try and uh, follow the helmet of a guy in front of you if you can't see through or over the dust. Stand up on your pegs to get above the clouds um, and look to the windrows. And knowing the track always helps when you're in dust because you know when you can push and when you when you should just sit back and wait. So, uh, so an interesting question that someone asked of me recently and. I wish I could see through dust, but it's um, it's not possible. I'm not superhuman. I don't think anyone is. So, uh, so yes, it's dust is always a factor, and it'll always slow the slow the slow the riders cording it down. Wear decent goggles, obviously. Um, put some baby oil or some hand cream on the foams just to stop them leaking. And uh, and yes, and uh, hopefully the wind blows one way, and you don't have to put up with it, Murray. Or the rain comes course well i was going to say that the track pretty much heads north south and the tendency of the wind in uh, that area is that it mostly blows across the track wouldn't you say from west to east and uh, so on those sections of the track where the wind is blowing the dust across the track you can maybe edge up a little bit and on those areas where you're just riding into the dust it makes it a bit more difficult would you see it that way Yes, mate, it does. And I remember one race, it was a fair few years ago, that the wind actually wasn't going across the track. It was blowing straight up it. And you think you kept thinking you were catching someone. It wasn't the case at all. It was uh it was just the the wind picking up um the bulldust, so to speak, particularly um in and around the trees or on the slower sections on the track where the bulldust was deep. So no, it is interesting. Well let, let like I said, let's hope for that wind to blow, Murray, and uh, you're dead right. The wind usually does blow across the track so uh that or a little bit of rain will be good for all of the riders i guess and it's not just the 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 rider you're hopefully catching that you have to worry about it's the odd uh, hazard in the track like a hole in the bulldust or something like that yes yes when you come up on bulldust i te- i always tended to go try and go around it as far as i could so stick to the edges generally the holes will be in the middle because it because the cars don't generally have to slow down for the bulldust holes so they'll go through the middle and just make whatever's in there deeper and um i've i remember blokes breaking swing arms in some of those holes so uh, so that that's that gives you a fair explanation about how harsh they can be mate and you mentioned rain there, there was a bit of rain in or quite a lot of rain wasn't there in central australia uh, a month or two ago but that's dried up Yes, mate, it's dried up and uh, unfortunately it's gone now and we're back to business as usual. With the, we, we are in the desert, of course, and uh, it's part of life. Uh, and so, yes, it's back to the good old dusty dusty um, track that we've grown to know and love. But hopefully stranger things have happened, but we might, could get more rain before the race and that'd be good for everyone. Well, we wouldn't want too much. We'd have to change the name of the podcast, <laughs> the race from the Fink Desert. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, in two thousand and one, it it flooded. So, and uh, and it was an interesting journey on the way back. And that's the year that uh, Michael Room won. And uh, some sections, it was you know the track was two or three feet deep, um, particularly around the Maryvale section, um, or Rodeo section. The ground's quite 
water didn't seep into the sand. So, so that was an interesting year. And uh, a lot of a lot of the locals had to learn how to um, how to ride in mud and water that year. And <laughs> I think Jason Jason Hill posted the best time. And of course, he he was a Darwin uh, Darwin lad that uh, knew always, always knew how to ride in the mud. So uh, he was fast, but he wasn't fast enough to catch Romy. Mm, fantastic good on you rick great talking to you again and uh thanks for your tip this week thank you murray thanks uh thanks again for having me on mate another great tip from rick speaking to josh and ali howes brother and sister uh, they'll both be racing in this year's Fink in buggies. And uh, Josh, is there anything you do away from the track to try and keep fit or be at your best? Not too much towards our driving, really. I think we're just too busy working. We both we both go to the gym daily, so um, keep our fitness up. Yeah, unfortunately, you don't get to test um, cars like these unless you know someone with 100 acres locally. But um, unfortunately, we don't. Um, we normally go to maybe a a, a race or or a club round to if we wanted to test the cars and to be honest like St George is almost a test for our Fink and then and then we just go on from there we do enjoy the Fink race mostly out of probably all the races a year after um after our first year there in 2018 we've always always liked that and it's been a bit of a, a goal for us and yeah it's um we're addicted with Hawk yeah yeah so um unfortunately it was meant to be a bucket list item once in a yeah. Just tick it off and unfortunately someone had to tell mum that we're going back again. Yeah. <laughs> How does mum handle it all? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well I, I was, when I raced on a bike, it was almost like Miss Daisy riding a motorbike and my mum wouldn't come and watch that. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure whether yours has got calmer nerves than mine, but um, it must be pretty difficult to watch. Um, uh, she stays updated on the on the live feed and... We call her when she's finished, but other than that, she doesn't want to know. <laughs> she yeah. doesn't. She doesn't like the stress of it all. How do you find uh, the whole scene around Finks socially? Is it just too competitive that, to uh, sort of mix with people, or is it do you find a social side as well? No, I think most races uh, Fink for the off road uh, for the cars. Anyway, we find it like every other race. Everyone's willing to help out someone else if they uh, have any issues and. Um, yeah, when we say we're hooked to keep coming back, I mean, we've already had great results, especially for only going there um, two years uh, two, at two meetings. And um, we just keep liking going back because we like the atmosphere. We love the we love the event. We love the warm-up, uh, you know, the pre-event and the event itself. And, yeah, the, the celebrations after the event and, the yeah, the whole the whole weekend. Um, and that's why we, we keep going back. And, I think that's something unique about, you know, off-road racing itself is the atmosphere and the sportsmanship because, you know, it is a family-based, you know, sport and it's the commitment that goes into it. I think by the time everyone gets away and you're at the track and you're at a meeting, you're just there to have fun and you're there to enjoy yourself and, and everyone's there for each other. Um, and that doesn't change just because of the, you know, the name of the race being Fink. Um, it's the exact same situation. As I mentioned, we spoke to Mark Burrows in uh, episode three and uh, he's won it five times. He's a bit of a legend, I imagine. And uh, he's also one of the great characters. Uh, have you found that people like him have, have been uh, open and helpful and uh, sort of welcoming? Definitely. Um, yeah, Mark's one that's yeah, been around for some time. Back when we first started racing, I used to just look up videos of his in-car and all sorts of 
um, yeah, all, all the other older legends. And, um, yeah, Mark's still around, still racing, and it's great. And it's still a buzz to, you know, when I, when we are lining up and we've got names like that on the entry list, it's still um, quite surreal. And, yeah, Mark himself is a great, great guy, bit of a character. And, uh, yeah, we see him prior to the races in the pub for dinner and hang out with him for a beer or two. And, um, yeah, it's uh, he actually come up to me and congratulated me personally at the end of St George so it's a credit to him and um yeah as I said it's uh it's still um pinching ourselves when we are hanging out with um, people like that as for this year's race I imagine you are hoping to win it of course but who are the main dangers do you think uh for yourselves pro class for me would be um I think people with a bit of knowledge around the area around the track yeah I feel we can just race what we can see um, we don't take too many risks. We just want to get there and back. And we've had some luck doing that, I, I guess, luck um, and, and and finish second in doing that. But I'd love to carry more speed and put it down more harder and better times. But um, it would be just taking a lot of risk doing that. Uh, the people that I reckon would have a good knowledge would be um, probably the Bo Robinsons and the yeah Shannon and, of course, Toby Price in his truck. He'll be putting down a good time up there. So... They're probably my main three um, competitors going in. How about you, Ali? At this stage, I haven't really overanalyzed it that much to yet. I don't want to suck myself out. <laughs> but as Josh said, you know, it's just the goal of getting down there and back. It's the track um, as much as anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Um, as I was uh, doing a little bit of research, I noticed you've even uh, got some merchandise people can buy. Is that right? Yeah, we've got a few... Um, Snapback hats made um, and some shirts. So they got a big print on the back of both our cars and, yeah, nice big logo on the front. So, yeah, we've got them in our truck and every race meeting if anyone wants one or we normally just send them out at home. We put something up on the Facebook page. But, um, yeah, everyone's always asking about something, so we just thought we'd go ahead and make something for the um, for the fans. All right, guys, um, I really appreciate your time. Like you say, you're running businesses, you're getting ready for Fink. There's plenty for you to do. And I really appreciate you taking some time out to have a chat to us on Warriors in the Dust. And uh, best of luck for the Fink Desert Race coming up. Thanks, Murray. Thank you. Hope to see you there. Good on you, guys. Really appreciate it. That's Josh and Alexandra or Ali Howells from New South Wales. Rick Hall rejoins me and uh, interesting listening there to Josh and Ali Howes, a brother and sister team, uh, preparing cars for or buggies for the Fink Desert Racing and great to see. And another example of how um, a lot of these teams, a lot of the competitors are backed by uh, really supportive families. It is interesting, mate. My um, my sister and her husband raced together for years in a buggy and uh, Patty and Lockie Weir, of course. And uh, they always had a good crack. I think their best finish was third outright. And now they've uh, handed the torch to Jack and Tim, their sons. And uh, I think this year is actually, it is this year is their first year. So uh, exciting for them. And um, what, three weeks ago now, Murray, everybody's counting down and uh, getting ready and uh, focusing on the big weekend. Plenty of excitement, plenty of chatter on social media and uh, around the town, I imagine. So uh, we're all, all looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for your help again this week, Rick. And uh, we look forward to another episode next week. For sure, mate. It'll be great. 
That's a wrap for episode 7. We're edging closer. Thank you to my guests, Ali and Josh Howells. Strong chances for big honours in this year's cars section of the race. Also to my co-host, Rick Hall. And thank you to you all for listening. We'll be back again next week with another great episode of Warriors in the Dust. Until then, I'm Murray Silby. Stay safe, be happy, and go fast. You've been listening to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. Move along now.